This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. We're about to study about Jonah. You'll find that in your Bible, Jonah. And we're turning to chapter 2 as a sample to read from. Chapter 2. The song we just sang could be the song of Jonah. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I, love lifted me. Let's read about Jonah's testimony here. In Jonah chapter 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Love lifted me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we marvel at your amazing grace and your steadfast love that delivered Jonah. And we pray that you would teach us about that today. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message in our series about unlikely heroes is Jonah, the runaway prophet with an attitude. And I don't have to explain an attitude. You know somebody when they have an attitude. They set their jaw, they cross their arms, they cock their head, and they've got an attitude problem. So we're going to see that about Jonah. Of all the prophets, you would expect a prophet to be obedient and cooperative. He was rebellious and downright ornery. Let's learn about Jonah. 
First of all, we should say why he's a hero. Jonah's one-sentence sermon led to the largest revival of the most wicked people in ancient history. That's why he's a hero. But you can take the four chapters of the book of Jonah and put these headings over each chapter. Jonah chapter 1, we see Jonah running from God. We see in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah running to God. In Jonah chapter 3, Jonah running with God. And in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah running ahead of God. So we're going to look at each of these in turn. First of all, Jonah running from God. Jonah 1, 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Do you see the emphasis of running from God? It actually says, he, verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. And in the last part of verse 3, it says, he went to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. There's several things I want us to learn about Jonah. First of all, whereas the other books of prophecy are about what the prophet said, this book is about the prophet himself. The prophet is the message. Don't miss it. That this story about Jonah and his failures and his foibles to grasp the grace and the love of God is the point of the book. And there's even more. So Jonah is the story. When you think about your life, did you know that your life is the message? That your walk is louder than your talk? I can't hear you because your behavior belies your talk, your speech. What we live speaks louder than what we say. And that's a story here. The name Jonah means dove. But before you get the idea he's the dove of peace, a dove can be foolish and easily deceived. So he's a sucker who is misled. Yet he's the son of Amittai, Am 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 and Amittai means faithfulness, which is a bit of irony, that the guy who's supposed to be a faithful prophet eh, went AWOL, absent without official leave. We also learn here that he was supposed to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And in 30 to 50 years from this time of Jonah, Assyria will come and defeat and destroy northern Israel, the ten tribes of Israel. But that's running ahead of the story here. Right now, all you need to know is that Nineveh, being the capital of Assyria, that the Assyrians were very wicked. God said their wickedness has risen up to me. That's pretty bad when... Uh, their attention, uh, God's attention is directed on them because of how wicked they were. They were idol worshipers. 
they sacrificed their children to these idols. When they would capture an enemy, they would skin the enemy alive and leave them in the sun to bake to death. Then they would chop off their heads and make a mound of skulls at the entryway of that city that they defeated to show their violence and treachery. And so obviously they were wicked and brutal people. Nineveh today is in northern Iraq and Tarshish is in Spain. So if you can picture with me that Iraq or Nineveh is in the east and Tarshish is in the west, Jonah booked a boat ride to go in the complete opposite direction of where God asked him to go. And back then, to go to Tarshish was to say, I'm going to the end of the world, or at least you'll be able to see the end of the world from there. So he was running away from God full time, full effort. He was um, going to not fulfill the calling that God had for him. And what we're going to see here is what we don't expect. What we don't expect in this story is a prophet to be unfaithful, a prophet to refuse to obey God's will and go prophesy. But we're also going to see the surprise of the pagan sailors because when this big storm came up on their ship and they discerned that it was Jonah who's a Hebrew who believes in the creator of the heavens and the earth and the seas who had been disobedient to God, they did everything they could to save him. They rode twice as hard. They threw all of their livelihood, the, the, the commerce, what they de- developed, they depended on for making a profit and a living. They threw all the goods overboard just to save one man. And they said, Lord, don't hold it against us when we throw him into the water, as he told us to do, to calm the water down. The pagan sailors showed more compassion for someone who was not one of their own than Jonah showed for the Ninevites, who was not one of his own. Grace is very interesting because you would expect the grace to be in the heart of the prophet, but you see the grace in the heart of the pagan sailors. We also see here that this scandal of grace is that God forgives whoever he wants to forgive. He's an equal opportunity forgiver. Now, I like to talk to people who love golf. Some people love golf and some people worship golf. Some people say life is about golf and the rest is uh, details. But you know what I like to think about when I think of golf? That the letters G-O-L-F can stand for a strong spiritual message. God offers love and forgiveness. Isn't that good? Now you've got a message using the The acronym GOLF, God offers love and forgiveness. That's what the book of Jonah is about. But Jonah doesn't want to extend mercy to the people he doesn't think deserve it. We all love grace and forgiveness when it's for us. 
but we don't want grace and forgiveness for someone that we don't like or someone we consider an enemy. I'll never forget being invited to speak at a high school class, a public high school class. And they wanted to talk to me as a minister and ask me about Christianity. And one of the students raised his hand and said, do you mean to tell me that a serial murderer who receives Jesus on death row is actually forgiven and is going to go to heaven? And I said, that's exactly right. And they all were, that's the last person you want grace extended to. Someone who killed others. But God will forgive anyone. And the fact that you and I have committed high treason against heaven, it's a miracle and it's amazing grace that God forgives us. And so this is a book about God's grace, that salvation is not limited to those we deem unworthy of receiving it. And God is the God who saves and shows mercy to the unworthy. And God is rich in mercy to those we would least expect. So Jonah challenges us to name the people we believe don't deserve God's mercy. Do you have someone in your life that you think, I hope that person never receives Christ. It goes to hell. Do you have people that you think belong to another country or another political system that you wouldn't mind if, uh, if they never received God's mercy? That is the kind of thing that the book of Jonah is addressing. Now, now notice what happens in the process of running from God. The writer of the book of Jonah emphasizes the word down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the boat. He went down into the fish's throat. He went down to the bottom of the sea. When you run away from God, your trajectory is down. Things are going to go from bad to worse. And that's exactly what happened with Jonah. He was thrown into the ocean, and he's thinking, okay, it's my time, I'm going to die. I didn't fulfill my calling, I didn't obey the Lord, I'm just going to die. And next thing he knows, he's in something. He's like, I don't think this is heaven. As he's poking around, he's in the fish, in the belly of a large fish. And God, in his mercy, sends a wind, a storm for the ship. He sends a large fish. And as we see, he's going to send other things because God is as concerned for the worker as he is for the work. God wants to work in us as well as through us. He's not just giving us an assignment. He's wanting us to participate in sharing his heart, his compassion for a lost and dying world. He's trying to teach Jonah about God's love and grace. So now we go from running away from God for Jonah to running to God. He sinks in the belly of the fish to the bottom of the ocean. 
And at the bottom of the ocean, he cries out to God. He runs to God in prayer. It says in Jonah 2, 1-2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to you, Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to me. When do we find God? When we come to the end of our rope. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we hit rock bottom, we finally look up and realize we need God. And that's exactly what happened. He came to the end of himself, seaweed wrapping around his head. He said, help! And God listened. God heard. And God delivered him. This is a beautiful story for all of us. Have you ever felt swallowed up by difficulties? Swallowed up by something that's overwhelming? Swallowed up such that you are enveloped and uh, losing all hope? And this is way beyond your control and you are challenged to the max. What do you do? Call upon the Lord. When you call upon the Lord, He listens to you. He hears you. He answers you in His perfect timing and according to His will. And that's exactly what happened. Jonah ran to the Lord and was able to say, as a result of how God delivered him, salvation comes from the Lord. He now knew God had mercy on me, a rebellious an honorary, disobedient prophet. He forgave me, and he's given me a second chance. How many of you know the grace of God that he's forgiven you, and he's given you a second chance? Everybody here. And you know what? He hasn't just given you a second chance. He's given you a third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, 100th chance. The Lord is constantly forgiving you and gracing you and calling you and using you, and there's a part of us that is ornery. There's a part of us that wants to rebel. There's a part of us that resists what God wants for us. Oh, that we would learn the greatness of our Lord, how much he loves us and offers forgiveness, how much he wants us to go and tell others about him. Well, finally, Jonah gets with the program, and now he's running with God. The large fish vomits him on land, and the Lord recommissions him. Jonah chapter 3, 1 to 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Verse 3 tells the turnaround of why Jonah is running with God. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord And he went to Nineveh. What a turnaround from the runaway prophet. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, and he proclaimed a one-sentence sermon. Here it is. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all he said. He just kept repeating it over and over again as he's walking through this great city of Nineveh. 
And what was the response of the wicked Ninevites? Verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. They were very convicted. They were humble. And it says, a fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Sackcloth would be a burlap-type bag that was very rough, symbolizing that they were repenting, that they were turning from their sin and turning to God. What a revival! What an amazing thing for these most wicked people to actually turn around, repent, and trust in God. And the Bible says that when they did that, uh, the Lord relented and had mercy upon them and forgave them. Again, God offers peace. He offers love. He offers forgiveness. This is chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Praise God. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying for revival and spiritual awakening. Revival that God's people would be all that God wants us to be, that we would return to a new obedience unto God, and that we would call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. We're asking God to revive the church. And when the church, the people of God, are actually living according to what God wants us to live, non-Christians are going to say, wow, that's what I want, and that results in spiritual awakening where many non-Christians become Christians because they see the Bible bound in shoe leather. They see Christians actually walking out the Christian faith. We're praying for revival and spiritual awakening. Revival has to do with the church. Spiritual awakening has to do with non-Christians. When the church is all that we, God wants it to be, the world is drawn to the Savior. And this is what's happening here with Nineveh. But then we get to chapter 4 and we find Jonah running ahead of God. Now I like to say this because there are times where you and I think we know better than God. There are times when we put ourselves in God's seat of management of the universe. And we tell God how we would do things. Notice this in Jonah 4, 1-3. But to Jonah, when God had forgiven the people, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing the Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you hear the arrogance and the pride of Jonah's heart as he's telling God, he's scolding God for being too easy on these wicked people? They don't deserve grace. They don't deserve forgiveness. And he's like saying, I told you so. I knew these people were going to repent. I knew you were going to have mercy and grace upon them. And now 
our enemies, the enemies of Israel, are forgiven and not destroyed, and I'm going to be viewed as a traitor for coming and telling them this message. Kill me now. I don't want any part of this. God is so good because God sends into our lives just what we need to teach us. He sends a plant to grow and provide shade for Jonah as he's sitting on a hill waiting for God to send fire down from heaven and, and change his mind and destroy the Ninevites. But when the plant dies, because the, um, the sun beats on his head and he grieves, he misses the plant that was a perfect shade spot for him. And the Lord says, now wait a second, you have more sadness and grief and compassion on that plant than you do on the Ninevites. And there's so many kids among these Ninevites that don't even know their right hand from the left. They have not come to the point of accountability and you want them all to be destroyed? Wake up! Know my heart. My heart is to love and forgive the unworthy. Jonah ran ahead of God. Jonah dictated to God, but God is more concerned about the worker than the work, and he's trying to get Jonah to come around. Now, what is the bottom line of this message? The bottom line of this message is that you need to define your relationship with God. God is your God by creation. He created you. God is your God by redemption. He saved you if you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But here's the question I have for you today. Is God your God by devotion? Are you daily devoted to him? We've seen some unlikely heroes like Gideon, like Samson, and now Jonah. And what really makes a hero of the faith is when a person is empowered by the Spirit of God in daily life. We must obey the Lord, surrender to the Lord, and fulfill His calling in our lives. We must get to know the Lord and learn His heart and share His burden and compassion for people. That's a hero in God's book. Now, I hope you've been encouraged by this series because it showed us some very imperfect people. Gideon, saying, who me? When the angel of the Lord said, O mighty man of valor, as he's threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding. We see Samson, who had his myriad of problems, even though he had supernatural strength. And we see now Jonah, who ran from God and had an attitude. And I hope that you get the real message of this series. The real message of this series is that we're all resembling Gideon and Samson and Jonah. We all have clay feet up to our kneecaps. We're all imperfect. We all have fallen. We all have failed. But God is gracious. God is loving. God is not giving up on us. God, who began a good work in us, is faithful to complete it. He is able to keep us from stumbling and falling and to present us into his presence with exceeding joy. He is going to sanctify us through and through, body, soul, and spirit. And he who is faithful has called us, and we need to rely on him. Recognize 
it's not too late. Confess your sin, repent from your disobedience and resistance and rebellion, and cooperate with the Spirit of the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus. God wants to bless you. God is blessing you. And thank the Lord. All of our names are written in the hall of faith through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for your amazing grace. The scandal of your grace that you should forgive wicked people is amazing. The fact that we are wicked, more wicked than we realize, and you forgave us is amazing. Your loving kindness, your patience with us, even when we are ornery and disobedient, moves us to repentance. And Lord, we don't want to fall short of the potential for why you made us. We want to cooperate with you. We want to obey you. We want to tell others about Jesus. We want to show your love to one another and others who need it. So Lord, would you do a new work in our hearts? Would you help us to follow you and not to rebel or resist or think we know better? Help us to know you, to press on to know the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.